Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, football, it's back. It's better than ever. You know what else is back? The NBA and both sports are back on the field and court for another football and basketball season. And as always, BetOnline, it's your number one spot for all the pro and college football and NBA action this season. New updated site and interface. It's got more odds, props, and contests. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football, basketball, and any sport in general. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's when you use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive that bonus. Football, basketball, boxing, MLB playoffs, NHL favorite casino games. It doesn't matter. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. It's time to bring back one of my hoops honchos here to talk about NBA basketball, and most specifically, oh, I don't know, Chicago Bulls basketball team that in the last 18 months has completely turned over its roster. New faces all over the place, new optimism brimming, overflowing from our Bulls Cups, so it's time to bring in Aaron Hagel. What's up, hoops honcho? Hags, how are you, my friend? What up, Joey? Long time no talk. Extremely excited for this upcoming NBA season and particularly our Bulls. What do we do in the offseason sometimes? You know, I don't know. We end up on the prices, right? Uh, we, <laughs> we sometimes dally in other different kinds of things, but Hoops is back on the menu. One of these days, Higgs, uh, you and Choi, once we get the Hoops honchos back together, we're going to get the prices right story. But today, let's talk some Chicago Bulls basketball. They're about to take the court this week to start another season. Man, a lot of new faces, a lot of new things to look forward to. I'll start you with this question here, Hags. You were the most excited about this Chicago Bulls season since blank. Oh, that's that's easy, uh, since the D. Rose years. Yeah. Like, not even close. The last time we've had a Bulls team this exciting was the second before D. Rose blew his knee out. <laughs> this is the most excited I've been about a team since then. Um, you know, we got, we got Lonzo now, we got DeMar DeRozan, um, Billy D's got another year under his belt, um, uh, but we got some high flying bulls this year. I'm really, really pumped. Yeah, I'm really pumped too. And I, I don't know, I want to say actually the Paul Gasol year, I was actually pretty pumped after we <sighs> Paul Gasol. I was very excited for that season, but you know, you know what, maybe there's something else too, Hags, and let's start maybe like a little bit more emotionally with this bulls team here it's just this organization's trying it's trying again right like yes and, and it's not in the sense of hey we're trying with d wade and rajan rondo with a you know with fred hoiberg running the offense here as you mentioned billy donovan in his second season we talked about it all last year legit coach right a dude that is respected across the league a guy that you know has taken different teams in different formations to playoffs and is a has college basketball pedigree. They tried in that category. Then in this offseason, they get Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, a bunch of other pieces there. They're trying again, Hagel, and I think that adds a little bit to the excitement, right? Not just the players that are on the team. No, for sure. I mean, we've talked about this before, how much <laughs> all Bulls fans disliked Gar Packs and the fact that they're gone was like, holy shit, breath of fresh air. And then on top of that, they actually hired really smart basketball minds who are forward thinking and like think outside of the box. And uh, Arturis and Eversley 
have been crushing it. Uh, you know, they may not all turn out to be home runs, but like you're saying, at least they're trying and they put out a good product, I think, for this year. We'll see, but I'm pretty pumped. You can already tell we're kind of hedging our bets a little bit because it's tough in basketball, right? Where a lot of other sports, you ask yourself the question, hey, do they got a shot at the World Series? Can they win the Cup this year? Could they win the Super Bowl? I don't think anyone's going out there saying the Chicago Bulls are going to contend for an NBA title. But, you know, as we're already kind of mentioning, we've been so battered and bruised. We're kind of like that, um, I don't know, we're just like that single individual in the dating scene who just wants to meet someone nice. There was all these other standards that we had out in life, but now it's just like, can we just meet someone that's like nice to us? It's a little bit about what's going on with the Chicago Bulls because, you know, we're going to get into expectations moving forward about what this team can be capable of and maybe what's more of a realistic expectation for this season. But I think the bar is continues to be continues to rise moving forward and I hope that that continues where after this season maybe we don't win that NBA title but after this year we continue to try and add to this team or augment or you know take some of these pieces and turn it into one big star and really bring it up to the point where we can be considered an elite upper echelon team my question for you is we we threw a couple guys out there Lonzo DeRozan I'm gonna even throw Vucevic in this list because we didn't really get a chance to see a full sample size of him last year and Alex Caruso which of the new young Bulls are you most excited to watch? And which of the new young Bulls do you think is going to be best for success on the court right away? Oh, that's an easy one for me, Lonzo. And it's not Same. even close. Uh, you've known for years I'm a big Lonzo fan. This is the first time I saw a YouTube clip of him at UCLA. And the very first thought I had was, wow, this guy reminds me a lot of Jason Kidd. Uh, a guy who gets rebounds, pushes the ball, great vision, unselfish. Um, gets a couple steals. He's a good defensive player. And he's also got a better shot than I think people give him credit for. He's, it's goofy looking, but he can shoot. So I think with him at the point guard, pushing the ball constantly, the first point guard we probably had since D Rose, who's, who's been doing that. And then you got Levine on the wings. You got the Rosen on the wings. You got P will on the wings. This is going to be a high flying team. Once again, maybe the most high flying team we've had since the D Rose years. Um, and with Vucevic down low, you know, doing his thing, I think we're primed for a great season, man. And, and yeah, I'm just excited to see Levine and Lonzo on the backcourt. I'm calling it right now, even without the first regular season game, they're going to be the best backcourt in Bulls history. Wow. Jordan, Jordan, obviously the best number two of all time. Yeah. D Rose, I would argue is the best point guard, but he's really more of a you know point guard shooting guard combo. But with Lonzo and Levine at the one and two in Bulls history, who's been more exciting just right now um, than those two? Well, in the, in the exciting conversation, I think you've already you've already got like your point has already been taken. And I think it's already been cashed through. We're exciting backcourts. I think we're already that's already right there. Right. With Jordan, it was always paired with Ron Harper, Armstrong, John Paxson. Yeah. Uh, D Rose is always paired with. Keith Bogans? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I guess you have to go back to maybe the Jerry Sloan, like Bob Love days. Yeah. Van Leer, Jerry Sloan days to find a backcourt in Bulls history that was as productive as this current backcourt could be. But on the excitement level, I'm right there with you. And I have to be honest, you know, sometimes when you come on the pod, Higgs, uh, the listening ship in Australia goes up. So I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to couch that before I say this. You know, are you also maybe banking on Lonzo having a breakout fantasy basketball season as well? Like, 
do you think that we could be seeing career numbers across the board from him in this offense? Yeah. I mean, what is he? I don't know. 23. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he's even 24 years old yet. Crazy. Yeah. I think it's insane. I think it's insane that the Pelicans let this guy go. When they had Lonzo and Zion, I was like, oh, dude, next five to seven years, Lob City, all day. They're going to be super fun to watch. And they just let him go, and I still don't get it. And I, I still can't believe we have Lonzo. I really, really can't believe it. You're bringing up a really good point where, like, just look at the recent history of Zion, in Zion's case. You know, a guy that plays above the rim and a guy that I think we would all consider as a four and maybe even a stretch five now in this modern basketball you know, look at the recency of what did Blake Griffin have when he came into the league? He had Chris Ball throwing the ball up to him. What happened when Amari Stoudemire came in the league? He had Steve Nash throwing the ball up to him. You know, I think that helps kind of facilitate players like that. And now we have a situation, and what I'm really excited about Lonzo as well is that we get into it all the time where sometimes maybe, you know, I don't know, I think our offense is going to score a lot of points, but on any given night, you could have some nights where maybe you're not putting the ball in the basket as easy as you want to. And we've seen it in the third and fourth quarter, even last year, and in years past, These the Bulls teams have hard times closing down games. And I'm loving this whole idea of it's not just Zach Levine maybe in ISO anymore. You can put the ball in Lonzo's hands and not feel like he has to create his own shot, but create his own shot for somebody else. Yeah. You know, whether that is DeMar DeRozan on the elbow, whether that's getting the ball to Vucevic, or whether that's running what already looks like a great little cut baseline game with him and Levine, which we've seen multiple times in the preseason. Now the ball doesn't have to necessarily be in one person's hands in a crucial moment. It can be in multiple hands, and we can still get a great shot out of it. I'm really excited about that, too, as well. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's a great point. So let me ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, yeah. where's your excitement level with the Bulls this year? It, dude, it's it's really high because we're we're so malnourished as basketball. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's like a seven point five, seven point eight, and usually, Aaron, I reserve those numbers for for title contenders, right? Uh, I don't think this team is a title contender, but we've been talking about this for a long time. You know, we've been buddies and we've been through all the lean years, right? We we, we were buddies through the D Rose years, the D Rose injury years, the Pau Gasol years the Butler Hoiberg years, and then this last abomination that was the three years before Arturis got into place. And it really was a matter of walking into a season and asking myself, how many games am I going to be willing to watch this year? I want to yeah. watch the Bulls. I want to root for them. But to be honest with you, I can't keep watching them blow a 17-point lead to the Pistons on a fucking Tuesday night, man. I couldn't keep doing that to myself. And I think last year was the really kind of the first year where I was really excited to watch 80, 90% of the games, which is my usual intake anyways. And this year, I don't want to miss a game, man. That's where I'm at, right? And I think that's a great excitement level place to be. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you? Because, I, I mean, I, it's it's right there, man. I want to catch every single game this year. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I was going to say 7 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, uh, I'm going to give Billy you know, a little bit of a pass this year again because he's got a whole new team. So my thing is this year, I just want to see improvement. I think a goal should be to make the playoffs. We can talk about that in a little bit because I do think the East is stacked this year. So it's going to be tough, but we can do it. Um, so I just want to see improvement this year, but I think in order to properly evaluate Billy Donovan will come at the end of next year. Because, you know, we got to see what happens with Levine next summer. But besides that, 
we kind of have our team. The system will be in place. So at that point, if everyone's been playing together for over a year, you got the shit down and either you're going to do it or not. So uh, he gets another mini pass from me this year, depending on what happens. Yeah, but this is a great segue because um, I'm right there with you. Where I, I do think Billy Donovan is the right coach for right now and probably the right coach for at least the next season too as well as we continue to hopefully raise this bar and get closer to being an elite basketball team. But I guess maybe if we could, if I could force you to drill in on maybe what one, one way that you could evaluate Donovan this year, what do you think it could be? Because for me last year, what was interesting was I really liked, I really liked his offensive sets last year. You know, they ran a lot of motion, a lot of like, we're gonna hand, we're gonna do handoffs, but they're also gonna be screens, and we're gonna have guys that are gonna curl over from the weak side, and they're gonna spring open and constant movement and motion. What I kind of noticed was Vucevic got in there. They lost the whole thing. Like they were running such a tight unit, the margin for error running that offense was so slim. Then when Vucevic got there, it got all out of whack. So I'm kind of curious what you think is going to be maybe a test of hey, Billy is got his hands on this team. And moving it forward, is it on the defensive side? Is it on the offensive side? Is it stopping losing streaks? You know, what do you think? What would be a good way for Bulls fans to kind of watch how this team performs and maybe connected to Billy Donovan's performance this year? Well, I, th- I think you just touched on it. And for me, really, it's the the, the, the centerpiece of this whole thing is Vucevic. Mm. Because you got Levine, you got Lonzo, you got the Rose and Pivo. Those guys can fly up and down the court all day long. But Vooch doesn't do that. I mean, he's not super slow for a big man, but he's not, you know, sprinting down the court. So for me, how is he going to incorporate these high flyers with Vucevic, who's more of a traditional back to the basket? But he can hit threes as well. And also defensively, he's not really that good of a defensive traditional big man where he can, like, lock guys down or get a lot of rebounds or get block shots and and things like that. So offensively, I want to see how he's going to – incorporate Vooch and defensively I want to see how he's going to utilize him as well so for me that's my main thing is seeing how he utilizes Vucevic you brought up defense so let's just dive into it now because it's my biggest concern bar none and I do want to kind of talk about some more things that I'm excited about so let's get some of the crap out of the way it's one of those things Aaron and I want to get your take on it where look this is where the modern NBA is going right where I do almost I'm on board with the Artur's philosophy of if you're going to be good at something, you might as well be great at something. And if you're going to be bad at something, you might as well be so great at the other thing that the bad doesn't matter. As in, we're going to be so good offensively that the fact that we're terrible defensively will hopefully weigh out the fact of how great we are offensively. What kind of a concern is it this defense, the players on this team right now, the makeup of this team defensively heading into the season? No, I actually agree with him. I mean, yeah. why try to make your team a defensive team if it's not a defensive team? Yeah. If they can outrun and outscore the, the opponent, do that. You have to play your team's strengths, not try to build up their weaknesses. I mean, I know you do, and defense is important. I'm sure they go over defense. Um, but your team is your team. So if you've got a bunch of high, flower, high flyers running a gun and do that. It's kind of like D'Antoni's like, idea You know, when he was coaching. It's like, hey, man, we're going to run and gun. We may not be the best defensively, but we're thinking we can outscore you. And that's the whole point is to score more points than the other team. So would I like to see uh, a more of a defensive minded team? Yeah. Cause I'm kind of that way. It's kind of like the Chicago thing, right? We're all about the defense. 
But hey, we got four Taj. starters. Taj taking a charge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Joe, Boozer, you know, Rodman, Horace Grant. But how about this? Four of our starters played college basketball in L.A. This is a West Coast team, man. This is a high-flying, for real, though. For, right? UCLA, Levine, and Lonzo, uh, Vooch and DeRozan both went to USC. So it's kind of weird that four of our starters are L.A. guys. And they play kind of like an L.A. up-tempo, West Coast style of offense. So I'm all for the change, man. We don't need to keep grinding things out and, you know, scoring 80 points a game and holding our opponent to 78. If we're a high-flying team, let's do it, baby. Yeah, I think the Blazers are trying to do the same thing philosophically, right, where if you score 110 points a game, but you give up 110 points a game, instead of trying to find players on the team to bring the giving up part down to 106, why don't you just find guys on the team to take that putting up part to 120, right? And I think that's the whole idea. I guess, like, in the back of my head, and just tell me if I'm wrong, though, is just, like, it is one of those things that's on paper right now that we're talking about, and we're like, hey, look, we're going to score a lot. We're going to give up a lot. It could lead to some really frustrating nights, though, of watching basketball, right, of we make a shot, and just for the life of us, we just can't stop the other team. Where are you personally on watching, you know, 135 to 133 games? Have you kind of come to have you come to grips with it? Are you at peace with it? Or are you still kind of a little bit I – mean, it's totally fair to have that old-school mentality of – kind of missing the days when it was like 106 to 102. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't like the high scoring, jacking up 53s in a game. It's just unfortunately the way the game is now, and teams just kind of go with that. I wish there was a little bit more mid-range game, a little more post-up game, a little bit more variety, but the yeah. rules of the new rules, you can't hand check and all that, and teams are fired away. So it's, on a level, not as fun to watch, but once again, I just will go with play your team's strengths. Um, I want to get to – I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the bench mob, and then we're going to do a little over-unders here, and we're going to talk about making some final predictions for this season. I'm just going to read off some names for you real quick. Uh, we've got the rookie, Io DeSumo, uh, Javante Green, Kobe White, who's injured right now, but he'll be back in November, Derek Jones, who's already been dropping some dunks down in the preseason, uh, Tony Bradley's our backup center, Marco Simonovich, Elise Johnson, Troy Brown, What's your take on this? Um, you know, you watch a lot of hoops. Do you like this bench? Do you think that there's an X factor? What are they going to be able to bring to the table? Maybe help bring some Bulls fans into the tent a little bit about the collection of these guys that might not necessarily know these household names uh, that are going to be coming off the bench for the Bulls. Uh, well, while I, I love our starting five, um, I don't love our bench. Uh, uh, Kobe's probably my favorite one, but he's still hurt. He's not going to be back, I think, till like mid-November. I do like the Caruso signing quite a bit. That guy's a solid backup, point guard, shooting guard combo. He's really athletic. He can shoot. He's tough on D, smart player. Uh, I really like him and Kobe. Other than that, it's kind of slim pickings, man. Like, I'm not, like, super pumped about Derek Jones Jr. He's fine. Like, everybody's fine for me, you know? There's nobody that I'm like, this guy's terrible or this guy's phenomenal. We have a great starting five. Let's just cross our fingers. Nobody goes down with an injury, especially at the center position because we're screwed if Vucevic goes down, man. Like Tony Bradley's like third string back up. I'm still bummed we got rid of Gafford, man. Like I don't, I still kind of don't get that one. Like I really liked him and he's, he's tearing it up in Washington, man. 
Yeah, he found a home all of a sudden as a rim runner, and we liked him. I was him. just surprised we gave up on him so soon. I mean, it was it was strange. You know, I don't understand that. I felt like watching him on the Bulls last year, he couldn't guard a pick and roll to save his life, which is either something that you learn or something that you maybe never realize to do, but they cut bait on him, or maybe they just had to make him a sacrificial piece to get some other solid options back to maybe help them out. Um, yeah, yeah, but they got back Daniel Tice. Uh, Troy Brown Jr. Yeah, I think, and somebody else. Tyson's gone. Troy Brown's still on the team. Anyway, I was just—I thought it was a good draft pick by the Bulls, and and I don't—I just wasn't sure why they just didn't jump well, the ball. Let me ask you this question in in regards to the bench because I kind of see it playing out in one of two ways, and I'm curious to see which one they might lean in the other way. So we've got our starting five, right? Billy Donovan's going to have to make a choice about. We have to have. I think one of those starters is going to kind of lead the charge when we kind of bring in the bench guys, right? I, I don't think you're going to be able to play DeRozan and Levine at the same time as much as we all would like to think that it's going to happen. So in your opinion, do you think, you know, when maybe Zach sits, who do you think is leading those offensive sets? Do you think it is Vucevic or do you think it is DeRozan with some of those bench guys? Because we have to keep some sort of offensive semblance some sort of initiator out there do you think it could be DeRozan kind of leading that bench mob or maybe Vucevic in those moments where Zach Levine's on the bench um it's a good question I think they can both do it my my thought is lean towards Vucevic more just because he's a really good passer he's kind of like Jokic-ish right they can just keep give they let him just do his thing he doesn't have to fit in the offense just be Vooch yeah exactly just put him at the uh, like at the elbow give him the ball have guys cut down low and if not he can hit that little elbow shot uh, but yeah, that's that's my thought. And DeRozan can, you know, he can do his thing as well. But I just feel like we have other playmakers. Kobe come off the bench. You get Caruso, uh, Desuma. So like we have other guys who can do that. But Booch, uh, giving him the ball, I think, just adds a different positive wrinkle in our offense. I I can kind of see a scenario where maybe at the six minute mark, six or seven minute mark, I think Caruso comes in for a guy like DeRozan, finishes the quarter, and then when you want to get Zach that blow at the end of the first quarter, early second quarter. I think that's when you bring back DeRozan and, you know, maybe he can then be like the guy. And I think that there's a way to sort of mix and match where you always have on the court at one point or another DeRozan, Vucevic, or Zach Levine. And then it's really kind of a matter of figuring out who is Lonzo pairing best with that night. You know what I mean? He's got the- uh, everybody. <laughs> I'm not saying I like the guy. I'm just saying he gets along with everybody. <laughs> but- I don't think you should come off the court. Honestly, I trust they got the ball more than anybody in the Bulls by far. Like, that guy's a facilitator, man. I think him and Zach, what, 35 minutes a game, right? At least. Those are probably the two dudes and everyone else maybe in the low 30s area. I want to get to some over-unders with you real quick. And yeah. this is going to kind of open up. Uh, this is We're going to open it up with Zach so we can talk a little Zach Levine. Last year, you know, everything up across the board, right? But now there's no there's more mouths to feed. The ball's moving around a little bit more. Over under 25.5 points a game for Zach Levine this year. Uh, it's tough, man, because last year I was looking at his stats. He averaged 27. Um, and you're right. He, he It was a career year for him. He tore up across the board. Uh, Olympic uh, gold medal winner now, which is pretty cool. Man, 25. It's tough, man, because there's more, you know, there's like people are going to be scoring this year. Uh, you know what? I'll go over. How about that? I'm going to be optimistic. Give me the over on that one because he's only 26, I think. So he's not even really at his prime. And I just think with Lonzo giving him the ball um, and maybe being open a little bit more with uh, Lonzo penetrating and kicking it out, he might get a 
another uh, three or two per game. Yeah, it's not an easy answer. I mean, by bar, because no. two ways, right? One, he could shoot less but get easier scoring opportunities from a guy like Lonzo, More right? More efficient. Right, or he could also, I could play the game where, you know, yeah, obviously he scores less because everyone thinks DeMar DeRozan is still going to score 20 points a game and Vooch is going to get 18 and Lonzo is going to get his 14, 15 and so on and so forth and everything like that. So he could maybe still have an amazing season but average, you know, 24.5. The other part about it is I'm actually going to be with you. I'm going to go slightly over like a 25.9, 26 points a game, which is why I put it in the 25 and a half area because he got I – th- I feel like his efficiency level last year took a step forward. I think this year I'm with you that I think Lonzo's going to set up – if he sets up two or three easier baskets for Zach Levine, that's six points that he didn't have last year, right, that he didn't have to work so hard for. And I still think that there's nights when he's going to get on heaters, right? and drop 20 points in the fourth quarter. I don't know if he's going to lead the league in scoring or eclipse that 27 mark, but I still think he's going to be a really, really highly efficient player. Um, you know, what is what is the expectation for him, man? Is there something in his game, in your opinion, that he can still improve upon, take to the next level as he continues to mature last year? Because I, he really impressed me personally. I've been on this pod before. I've talked to you many, many times. I was a skeptic for a long time. I thought he was an empty stats kind of guy, you know, garbage time dude. Last year changed my mind. So what can he do this year, in your opinion, to maybe take his game to the next level? Well, I think the biggest thing would just concentrate a little bit more on defense. I mean, he can score, so I don't think that's a problem. He can hit the three, he can drive, he can dunk, he can do mid-range. He's got all the offensive stuff covered. Uh, Maybe pass the ball a little more as well, stepping up on that. But overall, I just think defensive – defensively to get a little bit better because you know I both know like if you're a superstar that means you can do both offense and defense like any you know a lot of people can score but not everybody can score and play defense and I really think like being on this Olympic team really you know kind of made it is going to make him a better leader as well you know like we need that leader on our team DeRozan's a veteran Gooch is a veteran but it's kind of Zach's team and I think by being in the Olympics and being around all these other players and smart players and coaches, that rubbed off on him. And I just, so I just picture him being a better, better leader this year as far as like statistical things and uh, all-star appearances. Because last year I think it was his first all-star appearance, which was really cool. I'd like to see him make another all-star appearance. Um, maybe third team all-star, maybe. That might be a little too high for him, but I don't think it's impossible at this point. Whereas last year I would have been like third team NBA, no way. Now I think that's that could be a goal of his. Yeah, you're bringing up a great point on the All-Star and Olympic thing because, you know, when we traded for the guy, he was coming off a torn ACL and he was a slam dunk champion, right? That was, that was his resume at that particular time. And the way that he's um, evolved and matured as a player and I think as a leader too as well. I just really like kind of what he says like in the media in terms about like what he – is and who he wants to be for the Chicago Bulls and for the city of Chicago. You're bringing up a great point about that defense because I think this is one of those door number one, door number two things where on a night when he's shooting two of 11, is he he the guy that says to himself, I'm Zach Levine, I'm an all-star, I'm an Olympian, I'm going to shoot my way out of this? Or is he going to say, I'm shooting two of 11 tonight and I got some guys on my team that I trust 
and I have the confidence within myself to say to myself, hey, I'm just going to play defense tonight and maybe dish some assists and let, you know what I mean? let DeRozan get the 26, I'll score 14, and maybe come up with some defensive plays. You know, Maybe that's the part of the game that I, I'm curious to watch too as well. And I think maybe that won't show up in a box score. Maybe that won't help, help him get back into an all-star game. But, dude, that'll go a long way with Bulls fans like me and you, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Look at Jordan. How many all-time – how many defensive – all defensive teams did he make? How many times was he defensive player of the year? So, like, I think you have to do both if you're that kind of player. You still have to shoot because shoot – I used to play hoops. I coached all that stuff. And when you have a shooter who's just a pure scorer, you've got to keep beating them. You can't go, well, I have an off night, so i got to pass the ball. you got to keep shooting. You also find your teammates – and you also have to lock down the other guy. That's part of being a superstar is you got to do all that shit. You can't just do one and go, I'm going to just do this part tonight and not that part. You got to still go balls to the wall if you want to really be a stud. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I always remember uh, we mentioned the D Rose stuff in the beginning of the pod the year. We went to the Eastern conference finals and, and what happened in that series. I'll never forget. It wasn't LeBron James's magic Johnson, like passing. It wasn't his, his scoring. It wasn't, you know, it was him guarding D Rose. Right, yeah. taking D Rose at the top of the key, and saying, you know, I got their best player, and really, yeah. kind of, and really shutting him down, you know, and I, and that goes a long way, I think, with fans, maybe not necessarily, you know, national recognition, and I think that's something that Zach Levine could attempt to, which I think he did a little bit last year. I think he definitely tried harder at times, yeah. to be more engaged in rotations and on possessions and in moments, and maybe if he can continue to improve that. You know, maybe we've got a, not just a special player, which he already is, but one of those franchise top 10 guys, right? He's a top 15, 18 guy right now, right? Would you yeah. say he's not a top 10 guy, though? No, 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 no. Top, I would say top 25, maybe top 20, but not, not yeah. top 10. Yeah, yeah. And we've got, I think, Vooch, Vooch and Levine are top 20, 25 guys, yeah. guys right now, which we haven't had in a long time, and it's a pretty good start. My next over-under for you um, – Lonzo Ball, 9.9 assists over under. Does he get to double digits this year? Ooh. I'm going to go under on that. 10, 10 assists a game is tough to do. A lot. It's not easy. A lot so of I'll, go, I'll go the under on that, but I will – how about I'll say over as far as uh, uh, the, the, the sweet passes that he makes. I give him 10, 10, 10 out of 10 you know, for, the, for the sweet passes. <laughs> give him a 10 on the grading of the passes? Yeah. yeah, it's a bit. It's a big number. I think mentality-wise, I think Lonzo Ball, his only mentality this year is like, I want to lead the league in assists. I think that is a huh. is a great selfish yet great philosophy that achievement that I think that he should strive for. I'm with you though. I'm going under on that. I'm. I would be really happy if he got over eight. If he got to eight, eight, eight and a half, which I think would be a career high for him. He can definitely do it. Uh, but double digits is really hard, and it's a high usage rate too as well. My next one for you, over under 13.1 points a game for Patrick Williams. Oh, I'm going to go under on that. Yep. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Not just, there's not enough to go around, especially in the starting five. Uh-huh. And, you know, I went to summer league, um, and – you know, they, they, they tried they tried it out. They gave Patrick the ball, let him do his thing, try to be the focal point of the offense, the mixed results. Um, for me, man, it's just like, just keep locking dudes down. That, that's what we need. We don't need offense. 
if he's open, yeah, hit it. And he's got a, that really nice one, you know, one arm floater close to the basket. That's real pretty, but we don't need him to have any offense other than if you're open, shoot it and make your free throws. If you get fouled, leave everything else up to the other guys, just lock down their best defender. That's all I need. It's Patrick Williams time. No, no, no. Pass the ball. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not yet. Yeah. He, he'll get there. He's still young, you know, and, and he'll get there. But like I said, to me, he reminds me a lot of Kawhi. Lockdown defender and, you know, Kawhi got there, but it took a lot of work for him to get to that point of being an offensive threat. And he's got a cool mixed bags of where he can post stuff. He's got a mid-range. You can hit the three. So I see Patrick Williams developing into that kind of player, but he's not there. Yeah, he's a guy that's going to have to pick up the scraps, right? You know, where, like, as you mentioned, be the trailer on a fast break. Um, be the guy that when someone tries a double vooch, be the dude that cuts to the basket, which they actually did a really good job of last year. I really liked their connection, Vooch and Patrick Williams's connection. Yeah, make the open jumper, hit the floater if they give you space because they're trying to sag or maybe they're trying to protect the three-point line against Zach Levine. Um, I, I'm not seeing it yet either. It, it I, I am, I'm looking for progress, though. Is that fair to say? I definitely, yeah, of course, yeah. Because if he could be on the Jimmy Butler plan, right, where Jimmy – Obviously wasn't as highly touted coming out of college, but, you know, kind of earned some minutes. And then that next year slowly kind of started making some shots. And the year after that began to actually have the confidence to sort of initiate stuff. I'm with you. Maybe he is a half season, maybe even a full season away from becoming an initiator on offense. But I'm I'm excited to watch him. I think 13 is probably a little too rich, too, as well. My final one for you, Aaron, this is the big one. This is the enchilada right here. Over under 42.5 wins for the Chicago Bulls. Are you going over or under? Uh, this one's tough, too, to be honest. Um, but after thinking about it, repping you know, the Bulls jacket, my hat, got the Bulls red lights behind me. You got your Bulls gear all up behind you. Got some dream catchers back there. Uh, and some dream. romantic uh, pictures. Over 50 wins, then. We got a dream catcher here. Let's say 50. That's what I'm saying. I got to be optimistic this year. This is the most pumped I've been about it, you know, for a Bulls team in years, like you said. So I'm going to go over. Yeah. Crazy over, or you're thinking more like 44, 45 type area? Yeah, I was thinking like, yeah, exactly. Not way over. Um, I mean, have you looked at the East? Have you seen who's in the East? I, I, I mean, I... This is the it's, back it open, man. I mean, so and this is the this is the lead into the final one, the big one. You know what I mean? Do the Bulls make the playoffs? Are they going to be a play-in type team? How far can this team go? You know, in my opinion, it's it's one of those things where if I, if they get in the playoffs, I definitely think they can win a round, right? But it's getting there. I think I, it's I, worth I, debating. I, real quick, I don't know, man, because. Okay, real quick. Vegas has the Bulls and the Pacers tied at the seven and eight spot. Right. Which means we would barely get in. Yes. So if that's the case and we're at the eighth seed, we play the Nets the first round. We're not beating the Nets. And if we get the seventh seed, probably playing the Bucks or Nets, we're not beating either of those teams. So I don't think we're getting out of the first round. I think we're barely getting to the playoffs. It's tough, man. And like, you know, real quick at the Pacers, we're tied. You're like, oh, Pacers. Rick Carlisle is back with Indiana. He's a great coach, and they have a good team, man. So it's it's going to be really tough to get in the playoffs this year. Well, let me throw this back at you like this, though, where if they can figure out a way to – because we're saying over right now. So if they're in that 44-45, they are in that possible six-seed area. 
We don't know how it's going to shake her out, right? But if they get to the six, I I personally think that we could compete. I'm not saying that we we will. I'm saying that we could beat a Hawks, a 76ers, a Miami Heat in the first round. Is that is that a little too rich for your blood still? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, Vegas has Nets, Bucks, 76ers, Heat, Hawks, Celtics. Celtics, I think they're all tough, man. Like I said, Pacers are no joke with Carlisle back there. Celtics um, got Schroeder now. They're they're getting better and better with uh, Tatum. The Hawks are super deep, man. I looked at their roster. They're deep, like, in, in every position. Then the Heat, uh, you know, with Jimmy, Bam, they got Kyle Lowry now. They're going to be tough. 76ers, they got a lot of drama with Ben Simmons. But if he comes back, which he is, and they figure it out, it's really hard to beat them. And then we got to go into the Bucks, the champions, and then the Nets. It's tough, man. Like I said, for me, my goal this year is to just to get into the playoffs. Even if we get the eighth seed, I'll be happy. Yeah. And then, like I said, next year, we got to start moving up a little bit. But I just want to make the playoffs this year, and it's going to be tough. Well, I think one of the keys to do that, and I'm, I'm curious to see hear what your perspective is. One of the keys for that one is we need to become the team that takes care of business against teams that are below us, right? No more losing to the Orlando Magic on a Thursday night, right? I mean, and, I, I, and I'm actually hoping that this is the type of team that now wins those games going away, where we have a couple laughers every once in a while, where they win by 25. I mean, the preseason has kind of shown some glimpses of that, granted, against the Cavaliers and the Pelicans, but those are the teams we should be beating by 25 points. I think we need to kind of get into that mode a little bit. If we can take care of business against teams that are under 500, that are below us, and then... You know, what do you think what do you think would be more helpful for this type of this type of scenario, this type of achievement that we want? Keeping the losing streaks at a minimum or becoming the type of team that can rip off five, six, seven games in a row? You know, which which do you think is probably gonna be better for us in the long run? I think uh stopping the bleeding as far as losses. Yeah. Because that can really just start wearing on a team. As opposed to going on a run. A run's cool, but at some point you're not gonna like you're gonna lose. But if you're on a losing streak, it's important to just nip it in the bud like two games, like no more. Even if you only get two wins, then you get like another loss. At least you're just you're not getting all these losses in a row. Right, because that's yeah. the whole idea is, uh, you know, to get to that 45, in my opinion, pretty much the whole year you're playing 500 basketball, except for those small moments where maybe you catch a heater or two, win three or four in a row, you keep the losing streaks at a minimum, like you said, like two games. And you slowly get to that six, seven games over 500. I think that's the path, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, Joey, before we go, I got one question for you. Yes. Okay. Out of all the bulls that we've come to love but have departed within the past year, hmm. which person will you miss the most? Here are your options. We got Larry Marketing, Wendell, Otto Porter Jr., Thad Young, Tice, Sato, Gafford, Arch, or Felicio. When will I see you again? <laughs> um, well, I mean, you know. Of all those guys, which one are you bummed that's not in our team anymore? I'll get, okay. You know the joke answer is Felicio, right? But the problem is he's not even in the con he's not even on the continent anymore. He's he's <laughs> he's off uh, Brazilian, I think. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. He's going to become the greatest uh, overseas basketball player of all time. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the guy is Thad Young. 
not so much like potential, but I think that he could be still, I think he could have an integral role on this current roster as constructed right now. I understand that it costs us to get DeMar DeRozan. I'm happy with DeMar DeRozan. That's probably the guy that I miss the most. I did have high hopes for Markkanen, but the guy just wasn't on the court. He wasn't dependable. I mean, I don't care how smooth your three-point shot looks like. If you're not on their court, you can't help us. I'm curious to hear what you say. Uh, is it is it Thad Young for you, or is it someone else? Um, part of me feels like Wendell. I, I liked Wendell. I know sometimes he got burned on defense, but to me, he seemed like an Elton Brand kind of guy. And I loved Elton Brand. So, I mean, not on the same level as Elton Brand, I guess. But uh, the fact that we need some, like, defense. Uh, I told you about Gafford. That might be, like, a my option number two. I was really bummed to see him go just because, once again, we need some defense down low. So, uh, and then, of course, on a personal note, Felicio. You know, <laughs> I'll always love Felicio. All Bulls fans will always love I mean, his his jersey, I think I read, is getting hung in the rafters before the tip-off of I was gonna the say first game on Wednesday. Now put his, his jersey on eBay, and you can sell it for $20,000 if you have the stones to do it. Or is that it's a, it's a problem? No, no, no. That's that's a family heirloom. That's getting passed down. <laughs> that stays, stays in the family. is passed down. Um, I'm with you. Wendell Carter. If he does really great this year, we're gonna do we're gonna say what the hell. But he is on an Orlando Magic team that doesn't really have a lot going for them, so he's just gonna be playing a whole ton. I will say though that if it doesn't work out for him in Orlando, will it work out for Wendell Carter anywhere? No, uh, no. I mean, you kind of get two shots. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, whether it's the personnel, or whatever. You need a fresh change of scenery, and you go there and you kind of blossom. But if you're going from one place to the next and you still can't do it at spot number two. Look at Jahil Okafor. That guy's in Atlanta. I had no idea. I'm like, that guy was, I think it was the number two pick, number three. Player of the year in Illinois, player of the year at Duke after D'Angelo Russell. And that guy, I mean, he just fizzled out so fast. It's weird. Another great work by the process. Higgs, another great job. Yeah. That was the only misstep. I'm a a Sam Hinkie fan. Uh, We got to roll, Hoops Honcho. Before we go, uh, do you have an NBA title? Do you have an NBA Finals pick right now, or are you still uh, a little early for you? Still trying to suss it out. Uh, As always, it depends on injuries, but barring injuries, it would really, really be fun to see Lakers and Nets in a final. I would love to see Durant against LeBron and all those stars going against each other. Uh, Who would win? I would just have to go with the Lakers. It's really hard to go against LeBron. Anthony Davis, one of my favorite players. Um, and their centers, I, I forgot. They got Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. So at center, they're like super deep with like bruiser, big bruiser dudes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't, shit, I don't want either team to win. I just think it'd be a fun final. So I, I don't know. Who, who are you picking? Oh, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm going chalk on that one too as well. Um, the West right now is basically the Lakers to lose as it was last year, right? They got hurt. Couldn't get out of the first round without Anthony Davis opened everything up and then it became a, a grab bag of 50 50 and the Suns were able to jump up and get it uh so it's still the lakers are losing the western conference i personally after watching kevin durant in the olympics last year and watching him almost take down the bucks single-handedly i just think he's going to have a huge season and he's got a running mate named james harden who's pretty damn good i think they're going to be just fine so barring anything happening to durant i think it is uh you know in terms of the east i think it is going to be the nets for sure Otherwise, man, I, I Bucks, Hawks, Heat. I don't know about the 76ers, but there's a lot of teams though that can jump into that mix if if the Nets do have injuries. 
But uh, that's yeah. Well, I mean, let's not forget the Knicks either. The Knicks are only one win um, under us in Vegas. They made the playoffs last year. Yeah. The Hornets are a good up and coming team. So the East is is finally you know good. Yeah, no, definitely leveling off for sure. Um, I think we're going to be better than the Knicks, though, this year. So, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I do, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, real quick, one other team I'm excited for uh, this year in a couple of months is uh, Golden State. It's going to be cool to see Clay Thompson back. Um, and with Steph and Draymond, I'm not a Draymond guy, but it is fun to watch those guys, plus the young guys. They got Kaminga, the rookie, and Wiseman, the rookie from last year. And it'll just be good to see the Warriors kind of – back again because they've been out for the past couple years i agree and they're also i think one of the few teams to keep an eye on as it is a a now annual tradition in the nba of some sort of mega star getting upset they have pieces that could probably be attractive to oh yeah a team with player x who's no longer happy so they could be in the headlines you know and and honestly clay thompson could be a trade piece. You know, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I'm with you, though. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch them, too, as well. Uh, Hoops Ancho Hags, we got to get rolling, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the pod to talk Bulls basketball. We're going to have you back soon. And also, I want to tease it right now. I want to have you back sometime soon. You just finished doing an amazing documentary. I want to talk about that. I want to let the good people that are listening to this pod and other pods know about it. Spread that content moving forward. So when you come back, we're going to hit that for sure. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos is presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code BLEAV. Believe. Make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got more stuff coming the rest of the week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.